Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on its own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Last week I made reference to graduation speeches that are delivered at this time of the year. And today I'm thinking about the tests that students take in preparation for that important day. In many ways, students are required to say, I've got it, I understand, I've grasped the material, and I can explain it, define it, expound on it if necessary. And that is all well and good, but the further you go in the field of education, the more you realize that everything is much bigger than you ever thought. And the subject matter that you are studying is much more complex than you ever imagined. And that is humbling as one goes along through that process of education, but it's also very energizing because it helps you see that there will always be more to discover, more to learn, more to amaze you in your lifelong journey of learning. I liken it in some ways to the experience of coming to a new country and getting to know the people and the culture in that place. From what I've observed, it's the visitors who've been there only a short time who always have everything figured out, and they can explain it all. They can tell you all about the people there and why they are the way they are. They can clearly describe the, the social and the political uh, realities that have shaped this world that is new to them. And then there are the visitors who've come and stayed, who've been there for 10 or 20 or 30, maybe even 40 or more years. Ask them to describe the people and the culture in a few words, and they will laugh. What they know, of course, is that the longer you stay in a place, the more appreciation you gain for the infinite diversity and the complexity that exists within the people and the environment, and that your attempts to describe it in a few words will always be limited by how little you really know 
And you discover that more and more as you stay in a place. And that too can be humbling in one sense for those who stay extended periods of time, however. It is what is so interesting and energizing because it just is part of that experience of knowing that there will always be more to discover, always be more to learn, more to amaze us in our time there. If we wanted to go one step further, we could liken all of this to our experience of coming to know God and the Word of God for our lives. As we all know, there will always be people who are sure that they have God all figured out. They can answer every question about God, and they can tell you exactly what the Bible means and says about every important subject. And that may not sit well with many of us, but in truth, there, I think there's something in all of us that still wants to say, I've got it. I understand. And in one sense, you might say that the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is an attempt to do that. I like it. But when we name God in three particular ways, there's always the temptation to wrap that up in a tidy little package and say, mission accomplished. That may have been the case for some of those early church fathers who were locked in a room until they came up with a formula that they could all agree on. But we need to be wary, I think, of any suggestion that God in three persons says all that there is to say. For me, a much better way of appreciating that is to think about it as the language of love. When you are in love with someone, you do your best to describe them, and you talk about them in particular ways to other people. But at the same time, you know that you will never say it all. And you know, too, that you will never fully understand, fully appreciate or grasp the diversity and the beauty of the person that you are in love with, even if you spend a lifetime together. I do think that's what Jesus meant when he said in our gospel reading today, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them all right now. <clears throat> In the long discourse that precedes this, Jesus has explained to his followers that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he has called himself the true vine, he has done his best to describe the unique, complex relationship between himself and the Father, and God and the Father and Jesus with us, and now he comes to this place where he says, but there's more. There's still much, much more. Jesus could have stopped right there and said, okay, class dismissed, and don't forget there's a test on Monday. Instead, he helped them understand that God is infinitely bigger than what we can ever understand or describe at any one place along the way, and more wonderfully complex than we can imagine. Writing to the people of his time, Martin Luther said, on all sides we are continually surrounded with inexplicable mysteries. Our own existence, life, 
and reason furnish us with unfathomable depths, and our investigations concerning them ultimately end in the most absolute ignorance of what lies beyond the limits of our comprehension. Can this same reason, then, constitute a safe and reliable guide in the still more unsearchable regions of the ways of God, about whose very existence we should know nothing unless God were pleased to reveal it? And then Luther asks, shall we undertake the hopeless task of forcing the endless ocean of divine counsel and wisdom into the little thimble of our own mind and comprehension? If you know the story of Luther, you know that he was not anti-intellectual or anti-learning. In fact, Luther's passion for learning laid the foundation for many of the school systems that we have in place today and for really the whole system of higher education that exists in so many places in the West today. What Luther understood is that we will never stop learning as long as we are open because God's vastness will keep us on the path of discovery through every stage of life. Imagine what it would be like if your knowledge of literature stopped at what you were able to grasp in the first or second grade. Or if your whole appreciation and understanding of the world was limited by what you were able to grasp about science or math at that time in life. Or if your appreciation for the arts stopped with the first pictures that you saw or drew. Thinking about it in that way, it's easy for all of us to see the goodness of lifelong learning and discovery and the need for wise and capable teachers at every stage along the way. It should be obvious then that the same thing would be true in our journey of faith. And when it comes to the best teacher, Jesus gives a promise in our gospel today that is filled with hope. When the Spirit comes, Jesus says, the Spirit of truth, this Spirit will guide you into all truth. One modern commentator said, I think it's awesome that Jesus promises that the Spirit will come and guide his followers into truth, that they have more to learn, that the disciples who have spent so much time with Jesus do not have all the answers. Because all of that means, he says, that the Christian community then and now continues to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and dependent on each other in whom the Spirit dwells. Those are fitting words for us on a Sunday when we not only gather here for worship, but for a time of discernment later on about the mission that we have been given as God's people in this place. In that too, we are in a constant process of discovery. We're not only learning who we are as the people of God in our life together, we're not only learning about God, but we're learning about what God is giving to us and how God is calling us, and that continues to be open-ended for us as individuals and for us as a congregation. And I do believe deep down that God's Spirit has been active in this. I believe that God's Spirit has been guiding us and 
your congregational leaders in the process of drafting a plan for ministry, a vision for the next stage of our common mission. And I'm very much looking forward to talking about that again today at our meeting. But here too, it's clear that no set of goals or objectives will ever fully accomplish what we are here for. No ministry plan will ever include everything that needs to be done locally, globally. But that doesn't stop us from setting goals and from making plans in the trust that God will take that one little part of something so much bigger and bless it and allow it to bear fruit. And I have to say, knowing that there is always more to come is the thing that keeps me energized, engaged in every new year of our ministry together. And finally, coming full circle, I would say the same thing about this confession that we make in the language of the Trinity. It does not in any way say all that there is to say about God, but it is language of love that gives us all a beautiful place to start. And it is a declaration of faith that leads us into a lifetime of discovery and certainly of amazement. And for that, I say, as always in the past and into the future, thanks be to God. Amen.